Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix, who is again in his increasingly luxury-appointed underground bunker at an undisclosed location somewhere in Southern California, and I'm still angling for an invite, Don. Well, we're waiting right now, and, and it's it's okay that you haven't gotten it, because right now we're waiting for the delivery of the home theater system. Shortly after that, the pool table and then the bowling alley will be installed. So uh, you might want to hang out and wait until we finally get uh, get it properly outfitted, a properly outfitted man cave. Oh, yeah. Bowling alley. That's It's bigger than, I, than you let on to believe. Well, it's a very small bowling alley. You know, we use small balls, um, you know, about the size of golf balls. <laughs> right, Don, are, Don are you down. saying that you have small, you know what? <laughs> I'll leave that to your imagination, okay. my friend. Okay. But enough of that. But we, should, we, do, we do crack ourselves up. However, we, we got to do some um, serious things as well. And yeah, we have an upcoming election. California has moved up its primary election from June to March, March 3rd, and some races, it's clear, you know, the, the candidates are going on to the second round, and so March isn't that important, but there are some races in the Inland Empire where it really is important what happens in March, and one of those is in the 8th Congressional District, presently held by Congressman Paul Cook, who is retiring. This district roughly runs from north of Redlands, through the mountains, through the desert, all the way up to Bishop Levining, way, way up, way, way up. Alaska, there. right? It, not quite, not quite that far. <laughs> just, it just seems like it if you're driving it. It is a forever district, right. yes. So the two leading Republicans are Jay Obernotti, who's presently an assembly member, and um, Tim Donnelly, who was an assembly member, or he ran for governor. He, before that, he was, he, was, he was on the border. He was trying to stop illegal immigration and trying to build a wall there long before Donald Trump ever came on the scene. He Long was, before illegal immigration was a thing. Before, well, it was a thing. It just, it just He was in the vanguard of pointing out the problem and the risk and why yeah. it has to be dealt with. And he was the Tea Party before there was a Tea Party. He ran for governor in 2014, was in second position, was going to make the second round. And then the establishment carpet bombed him with negative ads at the last minute and got in Neil Kashkari, who ran a z- lackluster Zilcho campaign and then went and accepted Obama's appointment to the Minnesota Federal Reserve Board Bank. Who literally disappeared after the primary? Yeah, yeah literally yeah. disappeared. Right. right. He was he was just there as some as a, as a warm body who to keep Tim Donnelly off the ballot. Tim Donnelly is to the establishment what a cross is to the vampire. And with that, welcome to the show, Tim Donnelly. <laughs> I'm really enjoying listening to your narrative on my political history. I got to admit. But I, I want an invite, too, into the man cave. This sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, it is going to be a place for fun. As soon as it's properly outfitted, we're going to have a righteous uh, indoctrination event so that we can break it in properly. It's really great having you on the show, Tim. Uh, appreciate it. You had a, an, an illustrious career as a radio talk show host up 
in the high desert. I think that's that uh, that airwave bled down into our area, and you did a great job. Had a great run at uh, at that, and now we find you stepping into the ring again for political office. Well, you know, it's, uh, first of all, thank you, and um, uh, I, I will say this. I will admit this. My show was not half as entertaining as yours. Um, you know, well, we just I, have no I, rules. I, you had rules. <laughs> I had rules, and I and, and you know, it's hard. I, I did have a sort of a co-host, and it was fun. That it, that's really important. I think it, it makes you have a tremendous appreciation for Rush, who's done it without a co-host, who's done it without, um, you know, without guests for for the most part for all the all these years, and uh, and, and and look, um, yeah, I'm I, I'm running for Congress again. Third time's a charm, hopefully. I've run for this seat twice. And, uh, you know, it's interesting what you said about um, the establishment. Um, and, uh, you know, here we, we see Mitt Romney again. Uh, when I ran for governor, Mitt Romney and Jeb Bush were the key players who helped raise $7 million to put that Democrat, Neil Kashkari, up as the Republican nominee. And, you know, they just never stopped. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Mitt Romney because Donald Trump Jr. was asked not too long ago who his favorite Democrat was, and he said Mitt Romney. Uh, kind of funny that you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was before Mitt Romney was threatening to vote, uh, you know, for removal of Donald Trump as he actually ended up doing. And uh, boy, you know, um, I, I'm just going dig- to digress on Mitt Romney. There are, sure. some, there are some never Trumpers out there, and they've always they've been consistently never Trumpers. They hate the guy, um, whether and it's, and it's mostly for his style rather than the substance of what he's doing, because what he's doing is actually very quite conservative. And any conservative would be proud to have the record of accomplishment that he that Donald Trump has. But you have this Mitt Romney guy, who when he ran for president was all too happy to accept Donald Trump's endorsement and his money. And then when Donald Trump was running, issues an excoriating, not just we oppose the guy, here's someone better. Just he's, This is a terrible, terrible human being attack on Donald Trump. Donald Trump wins. Mitt Romney goes back and seeks a job with him. He's happy to, then he's, yeah. ha- then he's happy to accept Donald Trump's endorsement when Mitt Romney ran for Senate in 2018. And now he turns around and stabs him in the back again. So... Demand, well, I mean, you know, just, just no respect he, whatsoever for the, for this man. He, he's not just stabbing, you know, the president in the back. He's stabbing all of us in the back because we we have waged an epic war. And you know, you talked about me being out there on the border pre in the pre-Trump era, and that it was a very lonely, dark time because we were trying to wake up the country to an issue that that seemed to only affect. Or, or only be visibly affecting uh, the western part of the country, and and as as time went on and, and our efforts were were uh, publicized in the media, uh, people began to to tell their stories from all across the country. And President Trump, for his to his credit, here he is running for re-election. He has not shifted to the center. He hasn't left us behind. He is still fighting, even as of as of this week on Tuesday. In the State of the Union, he stood up for the victims of, of criminal aliens and, and said that we need to make America a sanctuary for Americans, not criminal aliens. And I think that's so significant 
and, and it's what's so different about him. Establishment candidates, they will say whatever you want to hear to get your vote and, and to trick you into believing they're more conservative than they are, and then they shift. They do what's called the pivot right after the primary, and, uh, and all of a sudden they're a centrist, and they have all these beliefs you have no idea about. Yep, that's and we we see that over and over and over again. Um, and just as an aside, I've watched this ad, TV ad last uh, last night for Chad Mays running as a conservative and strongly implying he's still a Republican. That's exactly what they do. They Mitt Romney. I'm a severe conservative. After he was a very liberal governor of of Massachusetts, all for unlimited abortion and whatnot, and then he pivots. Pretends to be conservative to get the Republican nomination and run for president, and then goes back to being the establishment person uh, that he is. Well, you know, you know, what would be amazing is if the Republican Party could be brought together, and if they would fight the Democrats and the and the leftists, Marxist, progressive, communists, like what we have controlling California. If they would fight them as hard as they fought. Uh, Donald Trump, if they would fight them as hard as they fought me when I tried to become the gubernatorial nominee that they all expected to lose to Jerry Brown in his $25 million and his 76% approval rating, um, you know, we, maybe we'd win battles that, that nobody would see coming. Uh, you know, and I, and I think that's, uh, that's really the story in the, in the post-Trump era is when you look at everything they said about about uh, about candidate Donald Trump and how he's never going to win. You look at all the dirty tricks that were pulled out by the Democrats and the Republican establishment, never Trumper uh, industrial complex. And, and, in, and in the end, all of us with our votes and, and our efforts sent him there to fight for us. Absolutely. We had a candidate forum at Redlands Tea Party Patriots back in November, focusing on Congressional District 8 and Senate District 23, where there's, some real, there's a real contested election for this first round among multiple Republicans. And before that, we offered all of the candidates some chances for extra credit, and one of which was to attend a school choice town hall at Riley's Farm in Yukaipa, and you did and Lloyd White did. And we also asked people to post on their Facebook publicly their opposition to the triple X sex education. And again, you did. Jay Obernotti did not, but and Lloyd White only among the Senate candidates did. And the last one was to attend the 40 day for life prayer vigil outside of the Planned Parenthood abortion mill in San Bernardino to show your strength, your support for pro life. And only you, Tim, did that and posted that to your Facebook page. Jay Obernotti was unwilling to publicly come out for any of those things. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I, I don't want to sound like somebody's sucking up to the teacher, you know, <laughs> for extra credit. Look, first of all, on the sex ed thing, I had actually posted something on that in a prior year when I was over at uh, at, at uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, and and, and we and I learned about it at a forum. Uh, I think it was a like a salt and light type forum, and was just absolutely horrified, absolutely horrified. So that was something that I, I had been speaking out about, and um, and same thing on on uh, one of the other issues that you're talking about. 
um, the school choice. I was planning to attend the school choice thing. So getting credit for it, that's great. But, but, but as far as the pro-life, I, I, I got to hand it to you. By pushing me to go out there and stand outside there and pray, um, that, that, um, that was something that really moved me, especially seeing how busy the place was. It, it, it's the one business, that and the mortuary, you know, that you don't want to see um, getting a lot of business. And it, and it just horrified me. And, and, and it, it, that's an issue more than anything else, I think, right now where the battle is so critically important that we have outspoken people who can effectively engage the battle rather than quiet Republicans who will be a quiet vote. So they may vote correctly, but they won't actually move the ball. And uh, there's a whole lot of unborn uh, human beings who's, who are counting on us to move that ball. Absolutely. Let's take a pause here and hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Tim Donnelly after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizens. And one of the things we encourage people to do is to get involved. Get involved in in campaigns, get involved in getting people off the couch and onto the playing field, because the problems that we face in California can be resolved if we get enough folks to be a part of this. Remember, there's a book called The Blueprint, How the Democrats Turned Colorado from a Red State to a Blue State. They did it with four people and $15 million. But if we had enough people that were actively engaged in the political battles of California, we could flip this state. I honestly believe that. And on the phone with us right now is someone who takes that call to be involved seriously. Tim Donnelly's candidate for the Congressional District 8, former Assemblyman and former gubernatorial candidate. Welcome you back to the Unite IE radio show, Tim. And Tuesday night during the president's uh, State of the Union address. He uh, he talked about a couple of things that must have been near and dear to your heart. One of the things that he mentioned, of course, was the tragic situation here in California uh, where the brother of one of the guests that he had in the gallery, who was a, uh, a, a an officer, had been shot by an illegal alien. That happened uh, actually just a couple of months before we had another individual who was shot in a very high-profile 
case, another police officer, uh, on Christmas night. He talked about, you know, legislation that would enable people to sue their government if they had a family member that was killed as a result of the policies implemented by that uh, government. What do you what do you think about that idea of being able to if if a sanctuary city or state results in the loss of life because an individual was not properly removed, according to federal law? that they should be able to take action against that uh, state or that municipality. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, obviously, I absolutely, utterly support that. But here, here's an interesting little note. Um, you, you remember the Arizona law, right, SB 1070, that was so yep. controversial? Yep. That was in there. That was the key of that bill to end sanctuary cities all the way back then in 2010. And so I, I ran my very first race on a promise to bring SB 1070, the Arizona law, to California. So six minutes after I was sworn in, I introduced a bill that would not only go, go and do that, but, but I also increased penalties for uh, any of the, the coyotes that, that essentially smuggle people um, that rape women, you know, in the course of their, of their smuggling activity. Sure. And, 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 you know, this is before we really understood how deep the human trafficking problem was that was coming across the border as well. And a lot of these, these uh, so-called little families are not actually families. They're not even related to each other. They pretend to be a family because we treat families differently than we treat, uh, you know, just individual illegal aliens who've, who've been caught after they crossed the border. So the, the idea of holding a municipality, a city, a state, uh, you know, a county responsible for, for flagrantly disobeying and, and flouting federal law, I think, is, is just the first step that we need to take. I was, so, I was thrilled to hear the president talk about that because, obviously, when I introduced my bill, it didn't go very far in California, although we did make an impact in some of the very same exact victims that the president has had uh, as his personal guests at the State of the Union uh, in previous years, like Jamil Shaw, are people that I brought up there to testify and begin to spread awareness of this. Because a big part of, of, of getting something done is you've got to wake people up and they've got to realize there's a problem that affects way more people when they realize and that this is a crisis. So to hear the president say that, hey, I want to go there and I want to ha- I'll introduce that law. And if it's not already introduced, I think he did mention an author, but I will co-sponsor it and, and fight to see its passage. And this is a significant thing here is on immigration is we know that Tim will never, ever, ever, ever vote for an amnesty bill. The current incumbent, uh, Paul Cook, voted for the Democrats' latest amnesty bill last December that would have, they say, would have been two or three million, but it would have been much more because they wrote it so loosely that all the illegal alien had to do was sign an affidavit saying they worked in agriculture for the requisite time and the government would be bound to accept that, notwithstanding any other contrary evidence to refute that. Mm. Face value, here's the affidavit, they get approved. That really would have been a mass amnesty for 10 or 20 million as they all would have submitted an affidavit saying they worked in agriculture for the requisite time. So Paul Cook has endorsed Jay Obernotti. 
you know, would would Jay Obernoti vote for an amnesty bill? And you know, I've I've posed that question online to people that are even supporting Jay Obernoti. You know, Tim Donnelly will never ever vote for amnesty. Can you say the same thing about Jay Obernoti? And they don't answer the question. Well, look. Uh, first of all, Jay is a nice guy. All right, but he he has a very different style than I have. What you see with me is what you get. I've laid out everything I believe uh, and and everything I intend to do on my website, Donnelly Number Four Congress dot com. You can read you can read it. You can see where I stand on the Second Amendment. You can see where I stand on on life. You can see that I will introduce legislation to protect the unborn. And when it comes to immigration, that is my passion. And so there's a, a stark difference. I mean, when you mention when you mention what the, the vote that Paul Cook made, and previously when he was in the assembly with me, serving with me, uh, he actually uh, voted for an amnesty for, for illegal aliens that were caught at DUI checkpoints to allow them to keep their cars rather than have them impounded. But, but the thing is, when you vote for little bills like that, that the Republican establishment, the elite, have decided are quote-unquote, okay to vote for, you wouldn't believe the gargantuan amount of money that comes your way. Now, all of a sudden, the Koch brothers are your best friends. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the ad community, you know, can, can tolerate you and, you know, because you're going you're gonna to make sure that they have an unlimited slave labor workforce that's illegally present in the country and therefore doesn't have to be subject to any of the actual employment laws that the rest of the employers, of which I once was one. So the bottom line is, look, you know, Jay is a nice guy, but, you know, do you want somebody who's a nice guy who's going to negotiate and make deals? Or do you want somebody who will actually, you know, go there and kick over some tables and, and take a stand? I mean, Jay California, o- yeah, go ahead. Jay Obernoti is a smart politician who generally leans in our direction. Not a terrible choice. There are worse. There are worse Republicans we could choose and have than than Jay Obernoti. But there's a couple of things that we've learned about, uh, and more recently after we made our decision in the Redlands Tea Party Patriots was that we didn't have we don't have an official endorsement, although the cabinet uh, does favor Tim Donnelly five to one, and that is that Jay Obernoti sponsored co-sponsored Muslim Appreciation Month. Uh, didn't sponsor a Christian Appreciation Month or Jewish or Hindu or Buddhist, just Muslim. And in my mind, more even more disturbing is there was an Assembly Resolution 99 in the last term. And this resolution sought to, quote, advise, unquote, pastors on how to pastor regarding gay issues. Jay Obernoti yeah, that- did not vote. He ducked. He was unwilling to stand up to the gay lobby for religious freedom. And I know that if Tim Donnelly was there, he would have been a no vote. Well, uh, the, I, I asked Jay about that, that bill, or, or uh, the Republican women asked him anyway, at a forum up in Lake Arrowhead recently. And he, he read one or two of the whereases. And believe me, whenever they write a resolution, there's always 10 or 15 whereases. Uh, and he read the really nice ones about love and compassion. And, uh, but he didn't, he didn't say anything about the whereas that says, that the the high suicide rate among the LGBT community is caused by religious leaders. I find that deeply disturbing because it paves the way in order to give justification for uh, for for essentially shutting down the First Amendment. 
and silencing pastors. Absolutely. And Jay ducked the issue. Tim, we're out of time for this segment. Uh, can you stay with us for another segment, and we'll go into a few more issues with you? Be glad to, absolutely. Okay. Back after news, traffic, and weather at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free. So call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we're like Rush Limbaugh, and we're certainly giving our prayers for him under, with, with his challenges with, with cancer, is our talent is also on loan from God, albeit the microloan department. And At least we, the microloan department. Yeah, it is. And we, we're visiting with a can, congressional candidate, Tim Donnelly. And we've been talking about some of his positions and some of the uh, positions of his opponent, primary Republican opponent, Jay Obernotti. Uh, what else, Tim? What else? What are your is there any, any other areas in which you think are, are you particularly passionate about and why you're the better choice in the 8th Congressional District? Well, let's just take the issue of the Second Amendment. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, establishment Republicans, um, their goal is just to stay on the right side of the NRA, and uh, and unfortunately, um, they they might be open to to these red flag laws. Look, I'm I'm an absolute, unequivocal advocate of the Second Amendment, and whenever I speak about it, I always quote it because it's the 26 most powerful words in the English language: a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That right there is the operative principle. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I will never, ever, not only will I not ever vote for any red flag laws, I will never vote to infringe the Second Amendment, period. But I will fight to expand it because, you know, when I ran for governor of California, I introduced a law to make it cheaper and easier for everyone who is a law-abiding citizen without a criminal record, to get a CCW. It's your God-given natural right. We need to make America sanctuary, not just for Americans, like the president said, um, instead of illegal aliens, but for the Second Amendment. Because 
that is our right. It's our God-given natural right to defend our lives and our freedom from evildoers and from tyranny. Bottom line, that's what it's all about. And you can send somebody there that'll be quiet about it and get along with all the Democrats about it, but that won't be me. And that's the dual purpose. It's not just home defense. It's not just to, to protect you against criminals that may attack you and your family. It's also to protect the freedom of the people, that the Second Amendment is what secures the other rights against potentially an overbearing, tyrannical government, either externally imposed or internally imposed. And you have to wonder, as I've heard people ask, is what does, and it's quite obvious, that the Democrat Party is chipping away and their goal is total abolition of all private ownership of guns. They can't get there yeah. in one. They can't get there in one big step. But anyone who looks at it honestly, and sometimes they're honest enough with themselves that they're honest enough in their comments that that's where they're going. That's Is always the, been their. That's always been their goal. It's the goal of every dictator. You know, we've seen it. We've seen it. anyone who's a student of history. You you watch what just just take what Hitler did. Hitler was using firearms and experimenting with firearms. As a as a, as a, a method of mass murder, lining up people in Poland before he, he came, you know, to world uh, uh, notoriety and and actually rose as this you know this evil uh, dictator that wanted to take over the world. Before he did that, he was experimenting with how he could efficiently kill as many people as possible with a single bullet, and and then of course. You know, look, get finding the the gun registries and then using them as confiscation lists so that there would be no opposition to his his uh, plans. That's true. Is the confiscation the registration list can overnight become the confiscation list after the communists took power in the Soviet Union? And I've seen the old poster, "Comrades, turn in your guns," in Russian. And then once the guns were turned in, once they were turned in. Once they were turned in, then Stalin could starve tens of millions of people to death in the Ukraine. Right. That that's the whole idea though. See, when you when you when you stamp out the Second Amendment, you're essentially stamping out dissent and you're you're stamping out the the opposition to your socialist plans. Now, what are socialist plans? Let's, let's use a different word. They're really plans to steal from from productive people and redistribute that wealth to unproductive people. That's all it is. And then and then if you're if you're in the in the mechanism of government, then you're in the power structure, you've got a job for life and and all you have to do is have unlimited uh, illegal immigration and then an amnesty every 20 years and and you've got a whole bunch of new voters who who will endorse your socialist plans. And and that's really in a nutshell what we're watching uh, happen on a, a, on a microcosm in the state of California, which could eventually be spread across the country. You're talking about the Second Amendment right now, and I want to change gears a little bit to another issue, which the Second Amendment indeed came up during the president. I mean, this this was kind of a best hits State of the Union address because he touched on so many different areas, uh, the border issue, uh, the sanctuary state city issue. Uh, another issue he touched on was the uh, and this was this was a tough one for me because of the emotion that this mother uh, shared when he talked about 
uh, her daughter, who was born at 21 weeks and survived and is now two years old, and then went on to say that he would stand behind life. Now, this is a big shift for Donald Trump because he was uh, more or less an individual that didn't have he was kind of agnostic on the on on abortion, uh, probably even uh, came down on the side of pro-choice for women. But here's an issue that he has shift. I, I want to say shifted on uh, become firmly pro-life. And that evening when he called attention to this two year old who was born at 21 weeks, which is the within the time frame that an individual right now, this is not a late-term abortion. That is within the time frame of when many abortions happen. Uh, he talked about that issue. Tell us what your tell us more about your experience, your challenge to go stand in front of an abortion clinic, and what you felt and how that plays into your position on what Donald Trump says we need to actually get rid of. Uh, late-term abortion and this idea that a doctor can choose to end a life on the operating table if a baby's born alive. This is just so so barbaric to me that we as a culture would allow this. We we have a we have a we have a real problem right now. We're we're facing a culture of death where in, in the popular culture the, the and, and remember what Breitbart said that that you know culture uh, politics is downstream from culture, right? And 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 so you have been pushing through the indoctrination, uh, you know, uh, centers also known as schools and universities, the government schools. You've been pushing this idea that a that a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to her own body, you know, and on and on and on. But it, it's in direct violation with the uh, founding documents where the purpose of government, the reason governments are formed are to protect life. Life is the first one mentioned of the unalienable rights because you only get mm-hmm. one of them. And when you're, when you're in the womb, you've got no power. So we have a, a moral obligation to protect that life. And, and so um, one of my friends made the movie uh, Gosnell, uh, you know, America's worst serial killer. And I watched that. I was at the premiere of that and, and watched that. And, and even though I knew the story, seeing it played out, where, mm-hmm. where he, he killed hundreds of babies after they were born alive, that's different than, than what they legally describe as an abortion, which is killing the, the uh, baby inside the womb. That is legal in this country within the parameters, as, as you, you said. I would like to see it all be outlawed. I would like to see there be no abortion. But that's my own personal beliefs. But the bottom line is that we've got to take a stand for life. After a, after a child is born and breathing air, that, that human being is under the same protections as every single other person, even though it is ironic that if you get into a car accident and kill a woman and a child when you're drunk driving, then you would, you know, you'll be charged right? with two deaths, Right. So yep. it, 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 we, we really need to bring our laws in line with our values. And I think uh, if President Trump ever made a, a change on this, I don't know where it was. I don't think it was during the campaign, but I know there was a moment where the entire country woke up when he went after Hillary Clinton. You remember that in the, in the debate that was televised? Yep. And he just 
owned her lunch and shut her down. I was in a theater full of people, and we were all on our feet cheering. He, he was so eloquent in defense of life. And, and the bottom line is, I don't know if I could ever rise to his level of eloquence on that issue. I think he's probably our best champion at this point and the best one we've had in decades. And, and I am so grateful that we have that. But I, I have put on my website that I, there, there are bills that I'm going to co-sponsor should I be favored with election. And one of them is the Heartbeat Protection Act. Steve King is the author of that bill. I met with Steve. He endorsed me in the last race. And, and the bottom line is, that's that's where we start. I would encourage everyone to, if you go to the respective candidates' website, that's Donnelly Numeral 4 Congress, Donnelly Numeral 4 Congress.com. Look, look at Tim's issues and principles, and then do the same with Jay Obernotti. And that's at electj.com. And again, look at how they've laid out what they believe and what they stand for. And there is just, we don't have time to go into all of it, but there is just a marked difference in what those two are publicly willing to say about the issues and what they stand for. There's one more thing I want to get to, and this is for me and really one of the important differences between the two candidates and why I am a strong Tim Donnelly supporter. At our candidate forum at the Tea Party, Redlands Tea Party Patriots, I asked the candidates about the about cap and trade. And I had heard that Jay Obernorty was close to voting for it, and he denied that he ever he ever was. Tim Donnelly called out the the global warming, aka climate change, aka climate emergency, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the name is it today, as the scam that it is. Jay Obernorty said very interestingly he would have voted for the cap and trade tax. It's going to increase gas prices by seventy three cents or more a gallon, plus other all other energy prices. He would have voted for it if it was supposedly refundable to the people. Now Tim pointed out, of course, we can't trust the politicians to do that. But Jay Obernorty is willing to support the Democrat Party's global warming scam. Tim Donnelly is not, and this is important because in Congress, some of the softer, moderate Republicans, establishment Republicans, have been pushing a refundable carbon tax. Same would do the same thing, raise all energy prices, and we know that Tim Donnelly will not vote for it, but will Jay Obernorty vote for it? And we can't say, but we do know that Jay Obernorty had the endorsement of Chad Mays on his website until Chad Mays officially left the Republican Party. And Chad Mays led Republicans to vote for the cap-and-trade tax. He's also a never-Trumper and supports amnesty and abortion at any time during the pregnancy, et cetera. He's a, he's a more, he's a, wants to move the whole Republican Party in a more liberal direction. But Jay Obernorty chose to have Mays' endorsement on his website. So this is just another, for me, is a really illustrative issue and why I so strongly support Tim Donnelly, a warrior for freedom and for our cause, versus Jay Obernotti, a smart politician who generally leans in our direction. Uh, Any any last thoughts, Tim? Well, before you do that, before you do that, Tim, let me just let me just say this about what uh, Greg just said. I am not as near worried about global warming, but I am terrified of global government. And that should be something that everybody can find refuge in that and can agree on the idea of global government being the the, the worst idea that's ever been floated in the history of man. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, Don. And, and look, to the specifics, here's the deal. Jay is a very smart politician, as you said. He, he, he admitted at the Tea Party on tape and, and, and in the newspaper, in the Victor Valley Daily News back in 2017, that he was part of the Republican working group, that he helped get the ball rolling in the negotiation, and that at some point he walked away from the table. The difference between me and Jay is very simple. Maybe it's a stylistic difference. Maybe it's something deeper. I don't know. But I would never have even sat down to negotiate with Jerry Brown because, to me, the whole idea of cap and trade is cap and tax. It's just take money, redistribute it, give the politicians a political slush fund so that they can stay in power and ultimately have more control over us than than the founders ever envisioned. So the bottom line is I would have gone out on John and Ken. I would have gone on your radio show. I would have gone on every radio show I could. I would have gone on the streets, and I would have said, there are Republicans thinking about voting for a massive gas tax that's going to dwarf the $0.06 gas tax they're pretending to fight. And and this is going to hurt every single one of you that commutes for a living, trying to, to keep your family intact, driving long distances, you know, because the cost of housing is so high in some areas. And, and the bottom line is, I think this is wrong, and I think we should stop it before it happens, not mumble about how I was the leader against it, but, you know, I never bothered to tell anybody that I was against it until after the whole thing went through, and uh, I, I, I think that's really the big difference. Yep. And we wish you well in this upcoming campaign. I know you have a lot, there's a lot of money against you. I even saw a attack mailer by SEIU against you, Tim. Not against really? Jay Obernotti. It was, a, it was by SEIU. I saw a picture of it online. So even SEIU, and I, and I wrote in a comment to that, you know a man by his enemies. Well, I haven't seen that. I, I would love to see that. And, 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 and I wear it as a badge of honor. Look, the SEIU was brought into the Republican Party by some of the elitists that are currently in control of it in California. And, and they used it. To attack me, their entire pack was used to attack me in 2012 when I was running for re-election because I was such a strong voice against tax increases, and we helped defeat that half-cent sales tax that they were trying to revive. Uh, so we've had a few small victories here. I guess the SEIU uh, never forgets uh, when you beat them at something. Um, so I, I wear that as a badge of honor. As you should. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for being a warrior for freedom in America, and we wish you well on the the campaign trail and, uh, and anything that I know personally I can do to help you. I, I, I certainly will. And uh, that's going to leave us about six minutes to talk about some other events, uh, impeachment, State of the Union, whatever. Uh, stay tuned for that after this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the program for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And all private citizens are going to have the opportunity to weigh in on March the 3rd, this presidential cycle. California opted to move their primary from June to March so as to be more relevant to the national stage. And I don't have much of an opinion about that, but I do have an opinion about what is going to be on the ballot on March the 3rd, Greg. One of the propositions that's going to be a statewide proposition that's going to be on the March ballot is something called Proposition 13. Now, this is a bit of a landmine, as I said in a little piece I wrote about this, because you just can't. Uh, you just can't fathom the depths that Sacramento will stoop to when it comes to confusing or maybe even perhaps deceiving voters nah. so that they can pick our pockets. Yes, yes, do, yes. Would they do that? They would, in fact. And Prop 13 is another one of those. Let me ask you this question, Greg. Is What is the most important thing in terms of fixing our education system in California? Is it more money or could it perhaps be that there's already too much money sloshing around the education bucket and it's not being used properly? Oh, it's, it's definitely not money. The studies, both in, you know, international comparisons and across the country, there's, there's very, very little correlation between money and educational results. Absolutely. And California thinks that money is the solution. So they've put a proposition on the March ballot called Proposition 13. It's a bond and it has nothing to do with the Proposition 13 that the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association continues to protect that law from greedy politicians and unions who think that your money is their money and they want to transfer transfer it from your pocket to their pocket. So this is this Proposition 13 is actually an end around Prop 13. Back in 1978, Prop 13 was passed in order to keep property taxes, uh, you know, in check so that old, you know, folks that are retired are not forced out of their homes and businesses are not taxed out of their businesses. Well, the end around is the legislature found out that they could float bonds for education Unlike, uh, you know, having to raise property taxes, which was originally there in order to help fund education. So this March, California citizens are going to be asked to vote on a $15 billion bond that with interest, another $12 billion will total $27 billion by the time this is paid back. For what? For education. Now, this is for, they say, for facilities quote-unquote infrastructure that the buildings and so forth that kids are taught in need to be retrofitted. We've got this thing called a surplus, Greg. Why don't they take the surplus and use that? We've got a $21 billion surplus. We could just fund all of that infrastructure expense out of our surplus and not have to put California voters in debt another $27 billion. I say no on Prop 13. What do you say? Well, absolutely. And the, the this bond of $15 billion for 
the government-run schools. And, of course, a lot of the, the repair and maintenance money, that's going into the pensions and retiree health care, so they have to come back with more money for that. It's on top of the $53.9 billion of education bonds that voters have passed since 1998, and what have we gotten for that money? You mentioned the current surplus. It adds to the existing $454 billion of debt in California, not, in, not including the $1 trillion plus of unfunded liabilities for government pensions. It also doubles the limits of debt that school districts can take on. What could go wrong with that? And it favors project labor agreements, which increase costs, construction costs, by 25 to 30 percent. So other than Because of what? Prevailing wage. This concept called prevailing wage. Right. So other than that, you know, it's it's, it's a good measure. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the, the idea that they... Now, I've been told that the numbering system... Uh, for propositions just coincidentally labeled this proposition as Prop 13. But I got to tell you, we skip floor 13 when it comes to numbering elevators. People skip house number 666 when it comes to numbering houses. If the state of California was really concerned about not confusing voters, they would have skipped Prop 13 as the name for this bond. However, They're not concerned about not confusing. In fact, they want to confuse people, which is exactly what they did with prop, uh, with prop six, which was the gas tax prop repeal proposition. They do this at every turn. So the idea that they allowed this to be named proposition 13 instead of skipping it and calling it proposition 14, I think that was directly on purpose, and it was specifically because if most people who enjoy the protection of Prop 13, the cap on property taxes, are you going to go into a voting booth and vote yes or no on Prop 13 if you haven't really researched it? Right, and people often don't, many people don't research things carefully. They just go, oh, Prop 13, yes. I like Prop 13, yes. And yep. if they pick up, if they pick up some more votes with that, another five percent or so, that that can make the difference. So just you know, just because they put something on front of you that says education bond, it's your money. So it behooves you, it behooves all of us as voters to be more careful and read the fine print and understand what they want our money for. That is all the time we have for this week. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, IE Radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. 
Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. AM 590, the answer.